Good evening and welcome to the fourth edition of our sports podcast. Uh, my name's Mark Dory and with me is Chris Butland. Hi, how are you doing? Uh, a bit of a late night show this one, Chris. We've just uh, got back from football training and uh, we're going to uh, burn the uh, midnight candle and try and get this podcast out. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a funny uh, funny one. We're both pretty busy at the moment. My wife's uh, ready to drop in terms of having a baby, so we're, we're squeezing this one in late, late on a Thursday night, but hopefully the quality won't be affected. <laughs> and just watching a bit of entertainment in front of us as well. We've got the two uh, cats just fighting away in, in my living room, which is uh, pretty entertaining. That's the biggest audience we've had so far, I think. <laughs> <laughs> right, so to tonight's show, um, we're going to reflect on the NFL playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you made some bold predictions last week, and we yeah, can yeah, kind of follow them up. Uh, we're going to look back at the Merseyside derby. It was a weekend of a, a few different derbies on Sunday, so we're going to yeah. talk about that. Uh, obviously, FA Cup replay with the Arsenal uh, travelling up here to Yorkshire to, to play Leeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to our main focus is probably going to be on the transfer window. Absolutely, yeah, lots to talk about there. Some uh, really big deals actually, which we'll we'll get into in a bit. We'll also, of course, be doing our regular feature, the three best sporting players of the week. Um, so yeah, without further ado, let's talk. Uh, well, actually, I'd like to reflect briefly on last week, Mark. Uh, People may remember we started the podcast last week by mentioning that in the background to uh, our recording, we were watching Arsenal take on the mighty Ipswich Town in the Carling Cup semi-final. Yeah. Uh, first leg. First leg. Now, the uh, the game actually finished after we'd finished podcasting. and When we left it, it was nil-nil and Arsenal looking a bit ropey. Uh, how, how did that one finish, Matt? Uh I don't really want to dwell on this. Obviously, as you said, <laughs> it was only the, the first leg of a two-leg semi-final, but Ipswich... <laughs> did manage to pull off a an unlikely victory. Uh, having been thrashed 7-0 by Chelsea in the previous <clears throat> weekend in the FA Cup, uh, they, uh, without a manager, I think, as well, weren't they? Absolutely. And missing yeah. a few players. Yeah. They uh, beat us 1-0. And uh, pretty embarrassing. And, I mean, Arsenal were all at sea from, from what we saw. Uh, long ball was just doing them every time. I thought, to be fair to Arsenal, very gracious in defeat with Cesc Fabregas claiming that Ipswich had and beating them by playing rugby. <laughs> it's nice to see that uh, you know, footballers can be gracious and lo- lose well. Yeah, I, I think not, nothing to be too worried about. As as I said, it's only the first leg. I, I'm pretty confident that we'll be able to turn it around back at the Emirates. Hmm. Uh, I've seen us on television in the last two games, actually, and, uh, against West Ham. We were we were dominant, and, yeah, and yeah. then we'll come on a bit later and talk about the, uh, the FA Cup performance mm-hmm. as well, uh, which uh, I thought they... They really raised the game, and uh, yeah. after Leeds had put up such a brave display in that first leg, they uh, they took control of that the uh, the replay. Well, let's talk about that game. Actually, that was just last night uh, at Ellen uh, Ellen Road, which is uh, pretty close to my house, actually. And, just down uh, the hill. Yeah, yeah. And it was uh, it was a big night for Leeds, wasn't it? it? It felt like they were kind of they were back almost. You know, they've, they've longed. You know, they've been out of the big time now, out of the top flight for six or seven years, um, and I think last night kind of. It was just a reminder of what a, a big side they are. Forty-four thousand capacity crowd, um, good noise, uh, and unfortunately for them, it didn't quite go according to plan. It didn't. No, I mean, as you said, it was a full house inside Ellen Road last night. The uh, the, the crowd really made a difference. I thought mm. they were uh, really vocal in their support. But um, I think, sadly, from from a Leeds point of view, Arsenal got that early goal, mm. uh, and. To be honest, they never looked like losing yeah. uh, last night. They were they were completely dominant. There was that one spell just before half time when Bradley Johnson uh, would again. We'll talk about this a bit later in our plays of the week, but mm. Bradley Johnson unleashed an absolute screamer 
which uh, hit the top corner and it was 2-1 at that stage. And if Leeds had been able to get another goal before half-time, then yes, they may have got... Well, they would have. They would be right in the tie then. But, yeah, yeah. but Arsenal just managed to, to keep them at arm's length. They length just had too much in the end, didn't it? And, and we talk, we've talked about Sami and Azri earlier yeah. in, in one of our earlier pods and the, the difference he makes, but they went without Fabregas this time, played Nasri, and the way he took that first goal was absolutely sublime, I thought. Um, and But again, credit to the lead support. That, that we commented that the support at the Emirates was superb. And last night again, um, I was actually at home with the wife uh, watching a bit of uh, West Wing on DVD. Oh, yeah. Had the sound up pretty loud, but um, the noise that came from the ground when, when Johnson's goal went in made, made me uh, flick over to, to see what had happened in the football. <laughs> the wife wasn't best pleased, if I'm honest. But, um, you know, it sounded like a cracking atmosphere and... Uh, you know, I'm not a massive fan of Leeds United, I must admit, but it's nights like that you kind of think, you know, they are a big club and sooner or later they are going to get back into the into the Premier League and, and they'll be, they'll be, I think there'll be plenty more time for them to, to play against the, the elite again. Yeah, and that's got to be the focus for them now. Obviously, they're out of the cup competition, but uh, they're, they're looking good in the, in the championship. Mm. They're in that playoff spot. And uh, with other teams, sort of... Derby obviously have, have come off the boil a bit and yeah. QPR are not looking unbeatable either so it's all to play for really yeah. I think QPR will still still go up um, yeah. interesting would be uh, watching Burnley now um, they're sort of just outside the playoff zone but they've um, brought in Eddie Howe from Bournemouth who by all accounts is a, an excellent young manager who's worked miracles with Bournemouth got them promoted and um, I'll be interested to see how he, how he does because I think he could be a future excellent manager but um but yeah, you know, with Leeds, I think I think they'll be back at some stage. By the way, as we go on the podcast tonight, I have been uh, my attention has been drawn to a nasty habit I'm developing right. uh, by uh, my friend Mark Ellis. Uh, apparently, I, I say obviously a lot. So any any, any point tonight when I say obviously, you have permission to hit me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's. Uh... Let's move on to the next uh, item on the agenda. Yep. Um, it was a busy weekend, a busy Sunday. A it super, was. was it Super Super Sunday? It was, it was built. There as. were there were three uh, live uh, matches uh, on Sky on Sunday. Um, all of them big ones. There was they showed the uh, Weir Side Derby. But they didn't show that one actually. Uh, that yeah. was on, um, but it wasn't televised. So there's the Weir Side Derby, which was Newcastle at Sunderland. That that finished one all. There was the um, the second city, the derby. second city, the second city, well, <laughs> nothing city, Birmingham. How, how that is just purely in terms of size, it's the biggest city, second biggest city, but really, really, it's a second city. Um, but yeah, that uh, Birmingham Villa finished one all, and then obviously the the, the big match was mm-hmm. the Merseyside derby. Maybe not in terms of league position this season, but certainly in terms of pride and, and the way and the way that uh, those two teams are performing. And then after that, it was a bit of a, a bit of disappointing uh, Spurs v United game. And interestingly, I was listening to to six on six oh six on the completion of that super marathon, <laughs> and uh, obviously all games all the games finished as draws. Yeah. Now there was a group of guys who had uh, who were waiting to go on holiday, and uh, thought, oh, we'll just put a put a cheeky bet on, and all put twenty pounds on. There being four draws yeah, and the kidding. odds were something over 150 it to was, one. It was, yeah. I heard so. the odds. I don't heard that story. They, they must have been absolutely quids in. Well, quite literally. <laughs> obviously. Yeah, thanks for that. Man. Thanks for that. Stating the obvious. It's always been my strength. But coming coming back to <laughs> coming back to the game which mattered the most to you, um, yeah. the uh, the Merseyside derby. <clears throat> um, great game, really, wasn't it? It was uh, most unlike. The Merseyside Derby, actually, to be on, to be absolutely honest, the the Anfield Derby every season is the the day 
of the season that I dread more than any other. I hate watching Everton play at Anfield. Um, you watch it got, alone, is that a, right? Yeah, we've got a crap record at Anfield. We haven't won there under David Moyes. We haven't won there since 1999. And it doesn't seem to matter which team's in form, which team is uh, has the best squad, you know, whether, you know, which team has the sort of the uh, momentum going into the game. We always conspire to find a way to lose it. Yeah. Uh, or at least get a disappointing result. Um, so I wasn't, you know, all the signs in this game, Everton come into it in a bit of form. Liverpool buoyed by Kenny Daglish, <laughs> but not in good form, coming off a, a bad result at Blackpool. And people were saying, you know, this is Everton's chance, this is Moyes' chance to get his derby win. Um, but Liverpool made made it one of their flag days, you know, all sorts of banners and chants. And yeah. the atmosphere, to be fair, was pretty impressive. And the first half, from an Everton point of view, was a nightmare. You you didn't start well at all, did you? I mean, Liverpool were were playing flowing football. Uh, you were struck well. Yeah, I felt I felt really Everton were playing. It's one of those cliches about playing the occasion rather than playing the game. And that's what Everton did. They um, they just didn't respond to what was going on. You know, it was an imposing atmosphere and a passionate atmosphere, which you always get at Anfield, especially for Derby. The Daglish thing added an extra element. Yeah. Um, and Liverpool, the, the football was okay, but really the, the, it, was, it was intensity that, that did it. And you know, Everton just didn't respond and didn't didn't click out of first gear. Whilst Liverpool were just throwing men forward and playing at high speed, winning the winning the fifty fifties, and they fully fully deserved the half time lead and really should have been further ahead. But what did Moyes say to them at half time? What a turnaround! If you well, ten minutes into the second half and you're leading two one, well, this is it. I mean. I, <laughs> You gave me a bit of stick on Twitter, actually, and just just to remind you, uh, <laughs> listeners, that you can follow us both on Twitter. I'm, I'm uh, at Butters11, and you are... Uh, at Caleb Dory, C-A-L-E-B. Right, I, uh, I tweeted... Well, you know, when I start watching a derby, I am on the edge of my seat, on the edge of my couch or whatever. I have to watch it on my own because I'm that tense. I hate watching it with other people. Yep. And for the first half, I was edge of the seat, and gradually, as the half went on, I was started to slump and slump and slump just head in hands almost and at half time I just lay flat out on the couch and I tweeted just as the teams are coming out I'm dreading this second half yeah. I cannot you know I, I can't bear to watch I do not want to watch this and 45 seconds later <laughs> I'm on my feet You're jumping up and down because yeah. Sylvan Distan has uh, equalised and Everton were a different team second half I think one of the big battles in the first half Leighton Baines normally protected by Stephen Pienaar we'll come on to Pienaar mm. a little bit later in the transfer window section Um but PNR obviously wasn't available. Leon Osman played left midfield in the first half, and Achebe and Beckford up front. And Leon Osman, much as I like the guy, um, he is not a wide player. He's a central player, and um, when he plays out wide, he gets outpaced and outmuscled, and he offered no protection to Leon Osman at all. Intr- you know, if you if you watch back the 2009 Cup final when he played Chelsea, same problem then. Uh, Chelsea had a field day because Osman had no pace to protect uh, yeah. Baines. Our first half, Liverpool really exploited that. Second half, Moyes made sure that when we didn't have the ball, Victor Anachibi was out on the left protecting Baines and that made a huge difference. Yeah, um, and Beckford scored again. Another another good goal. Beckford it was a really good his, finish, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and funnily enough, it was Osman who got on the assist, but Beckford took his goal really, really well. And to be honest, from that point, I could only see one team winning the game. Yeah. I, um, I never count my chickens in a derby um, and you always kind of think Liverpool will get back into it, but... Liverpool weren't threatening at all, and it was only, you know, a really silly error by Tim Howard. 
it, that let them in. It was it was uh, really unfortunate, wasn't it? I mean, I think the player was was probably going away from goal away as well. Away from goal. So and the ball ha- wasn't under control. Howard had absolutely no prospect of winning that ball no. because the man, you know, Maxi Rodriguez was between Tim Howard and the ball. There's, there was no good that could have come from that challenge to Howard and it was no. stupid. And I think I reflect on that and know that. But give, to give the guy a break, he did make some good saves in the first half and probably kept us in it. So, But for Moyes, I mean, it still still hasn't uh, managed to uh, to get that that win at Anfield no. hasn't managed to get a win in the derby. It hasn't managed to get a win in against any of the the top four or the top four as as was. I don't think I was reading a stat. I think he's no. We're doing much better actually on that front this season. We we um we've got a draw at Stamford Bridge. We drew with United at home. Um, we lost at home to Arsenal, uh, but we've beaten Spurs, beaten City. Yeah. Who you know effectively are the top, top four, in the top yep, four nowadays. Yep. And we've taken four points off Liverpool. So we're not too bad, actually, this season in, in that respect. But certainly in previous seasons, that has been a problem. But yeah, the Anfield derby is, is the one that eludes Moyes. Um, he'd love to win one, and he didn't this time again. again. But once Liverpool actually scored that penalty, I thought visibly both sides really settled for a draw. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And then, as you said, it was a pretty disappointing affair, the game after it. Uh, a chance for Tottenham to, to beat United, I thought, and failed to take it. Yeah, and... You know, I've been banging on all the time that United have been the title. I was a little bit worried that this might be their undoing, that you know, going to Spurs might be the one that was a bridge too far. But they looked actually fairly comfortable. Crouch missed a big chance in the first half. But um, United looked very solid at the back. Vidic and Ferdinand looked really good. Um, Ever Raphael, apart from his sending off, a played silly right. sending off, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, silly. But Spurs were a match for United, but I didn't think they were they were in any danger of beating them. No, um, I, and I think. I think because of the uh, the rise of City, I think uh, that the Spurs are going to find it difficult to to get back into that top four this season again. I, I can't see Arsenal <clears> slipping <throat> slipping off. I think uh, Chelsea will come good again. Um, yeah, my prediction at the start of the season um, was that Spurs would would be outside of top four. Mm. However, their form so far this season has surprised me, and I, I, I started to think actually maybe they'll do it again. Um, at the moment, it's looking less likely, um, and I think the fact that they've qualified for the later stages <coughs> of the Champions League, sorry, um, will probably hinder the league form a little bit. But I still think they'll be there or thereabouts, fourth, fifth, sixth. Yeah, they will, and and that actually moves us quite nicely onto the next item. Uh, Spurs, the player for them of the season has has got to be Raphael Van der Vaart, who's mm. been instrumental in their success and uh, someone they got on transfer deadline day. Back in the in, the, summer, in yeah. the summer for an absolute steal at eight mil. Um, obviously, the transfer window's opened again now. It started off fairly quietly the first couple of weeks, didn't it? It did, but it's kicked into action now. I think I think we mentioned Jeko last last week signing for for City. We did. He looked fairly uh, fairly decent on his debut. Actually, yeah, he got a well. good assist and he linked up nicely with Tevez. And I think I think there will be goals from from Jeko as as time goes on. Um, but that that was a heck of a game, by the way. The City v Wolves game four three. You know, it, it was kind of an untypical, uh, atypical, untypical, I don't know, uh, City performance. You know, people have criticised them this season for not being adventurous enough. Yeah. Um, but they've been very tight at the back. Well, here they scored four goals, but they uh, they looked all at sea at the back, to be honest. And then conceded another couple, didn't they, in the week, I think, in the uh Yeah, they the beat game. Leicester 4-2 in the cup replay. Um, so, yeah, another two goals conceded, but another four scored. So, um 
Again, it's going to be interesting to see how, just how long they can keep up this, keep yeah. this challenge. You know? Some outrageous comments from uh, their striker, Balotelli, as well. Just completely uh, clueless. I don't know what planet he's talking about. Firstly, saying that they, they've got the best strike force in, in Europe. Including himself. Including himself, <laughs> obviously. Uh, and then uh, claiming, well, having previously claimed that uh, there's no one better than him in the world, apart from maybe Messi, but... He probably is better than Messi. <laughs> I, I think Balotelli is great value. You know, I think he's just he's he's good fun. He's yeah. entertainment, and I think so I was looking at one of the, one of the journos on Twitter today was just saying, really, try, he shouldn't be taken seriously in what he says because when he says it, there's a bit of there's a glint in his eye, there's a yeah. sort of a wink, and I think he just enjoys making outrageous comments. And yeah, but when he's played, he's looked very very good. It, he has got the potential. He has, but he's very petulant, isn't he? Yeah. And and if something goes against him, he, he sulks and and that's it. But you know, if if City go on and win the title, then Tevez, Jeco, and Balotelli, you might look back and say, actually, there's a hell of a strike for us. Yeah. But it's too early to say that for me. Balotelli's been in and out of the side with injury. Jeco's only played one game. Tevez is proven. Is another class, isn't he, at the moment? He is. Um, so. They might have one of the best informed strikers in Tevez, but to say they've got the best strike force in the world, it's, it's premature. Yeah, yeah. But coming back to the transfer window, obviously mm, the big sorry. news this week has been the transfer of Darren Bent to from Villa. Sunderland to Villa for a fee of 18 million that's probably going to rise. To 24, yeah, depending on appearances for Villa in England, yeah. Now, on the face of it, that's a lot of money for a player who is a, a proven goal scorer, but... Is he worth? Is he worth that amount of money? Firstly, is he worth that amount of money? And secondly, Villa for Villa—that's a very, uh, uh, you know, big statement of intent for them to say we're going to spend that that money on one on one striker. Um, I've I've got a few thoughts on that. I've, first of all, you know, is anyone worth twenty-four million? It's football gone mad, isn't it? In in terms of transfer fees and the, the prices people pay, no one's really worth what what they pay, what is paid. But that's another issue. Um, my honest opinion is I think that's a fantastic signing for Villa. I really do. Um, Darren Bent, everywhere he's played, has scored goals. Yeah. Um, Charlton, he scored goals. Ipswich, he scored goals where he started. Even Spurs, where he fell out with Redknapp. And Redknapp, to be honest, treated him like dirt. Yeah. He still scored a goal every three games. I think it was eight, the, the season that Redknapp lost his real rag with him, he still scored 18 goals yeah. and was in and out of the team. Um, and again at Sunderland I think he's got 32 and 58 which is a superb record at this level and over the last is it five years since 2005 yeah. since 2005 Darren Bent is, has been outscored only by Wayne Rooney and Didier Drogba and only by one goal yeah he's scored 80, 81 league goals and they've both got 82 which says it all and, and that's playing you know with all due respect for Sunderland and in and out of a Spurs team and for Charlton Athletic you know teams where you're not going to get the service that you would get playing for a United or a Chelsea that Drogba and Rooney get. So I think, yes, it's a, it's expensive. Yes, it's too much money, really. But he will be worth his weight in in goals. See what I've done in there. goals. Uh, he, I, I honestly think he was. You know, obviously. with the service of Ashley Young, I said obviously. Ah, mm. oh, damn it. Uh, <laughs> he with the service of Ashley Young um, playing up with I assume like Bonhaw. Um, even maybe with Heskey, a bit. it looks like Carew's just uh, completed a loan deal with uh, with uh, Stoke. And if ever a player was a Stoke City type of player, John Carew <laughs> is that. They must. I'd love to know the average height of their uh, of their team. But uh, yeah, going back to Bent, it, it, it's a, it is a statement of intent. It is you know a big deal, but I do think it'll be a really good sign. He will score goals for Villa. He'll be a hero there, and. 
first prediction of the week, he will score on Saturday or Sunday, whenever like it is. It. He will score against Manchester City this week. Yeah, I, I think I think he's scored on every debut he's had. I think what I found interesting about the transfer, Steve Bruce today has come out with uh, quite uh, a lot of opinion about the nature of uh, the approach from Villa. Mm. He's unhappy about how the player was uh, apparently approached before the mm. official approach. Um, and he was disappointed with Bent. But, you know, if I'm Steve Bruce and I'm getting £24 million for for Darren Bent, then I think that's good business at the end of the day. Well, it isn't, isn't. Yeah, obviously, any any manager wants £24 million to spend. It remains to be seen how much of that Bruce will get, although I think they're in a decent position financially. The problem Sunderland have had, and it's a problem that Bruce has expressed in the past and other managers, I think, as well at Sunderland, um, is that players don't want to go up there. No. Um, they've had this money for a little while now, a few seasons now that Quinn's been up there and the uh, the Boyle Sport deal's been on or whatever. And they've really struggled to attract players to Sunderland. Yeah. There have been several players that they've missed out on, um, you know, where it's been between them and another club and the players invariably chosen the other club because they don't want to live in Sunderland. Yeah, yeah. Um, they managed to attract uh, Asamoah Yan, they, didn't they? They did, but I think that was more because they had the money and no one else did. Um, now, if they, can, if they can attract more players like Jan, then great. But I think... There'll be a, a bit of a feeling that yes, they've got a good deal for Bent, but will they be able to replace it's him? It's a big void, isn't it? And I think uh, also, unfortunately, Danny Welbeck's been ruled out for a couple of months as well. Today, ah, so. that's not ideal, is it? So they've got Gianna, they've got they still got Fraser Campbell, I think as well. But Bent will be a big miss for them. And, and from the sounds of what Bruce has been saying, they didn't really see this coming. No. Um, so we'll see what he's got. And I think Bruce has got a pretty decent scout in there. He's quite good at finding players, but. Whether they'll be able to find someone to replace Bent is another matter. Yeah, Villa looking, by the way, moving on the transfer window to, to spend some more money. They're trying to get Charlie Adam. But they've Charlie Adam. Charlie Adam. I've got this habit of saying Charlie Adam, and I don't from? know. Where, I, I, he's not French. <laughs> I don't know why I do it. But Charlie they, Adam. They had a bid rejected. I think of only three million pounds. Yeah, but... and according to Ian Holloway, if Darren Bent's worth twenty-four, then Charlie Adam's worth forty-eight million. So if you can if you can listen to the quote, you need to hear it because he he talks about ice cream as well. If if I could have ice cream every day, I I would. That sort of thing. Another classic. You gotta uh, love Holloway. Holloway quote. But but I think I think. It sounds like Charlie Adam <laughs> will be on the move in this transfer window, despite Holloway's protestations. So whether he goes to Villa, I don't know. There's a link with him to Everton. Um, believe it or not, uh, Charlie Adam, Adam <laughs> Charlie Adam's agent is actually David Moyes' brother. Um, whatever, I don't know his first name to be honest. But um, so there's there's always been a little bit of talk that Moyes might try and uh, might try and pull some strings there. But I think. Everton really haven't got the, the money at the moment. There's a few other rumours doing the rounds. The biggest one, I think, of the day is uh, Suarez to Liverpool, yeah. the Ajax forward, who obviously was uh, pretty hot at the World Cup in the summer. Well, yeah, we featured him, didn't we, on our Players of the Year yeah. with his, that handball moment for Uruguay against Ghana. Um, if you look at his record in Holland, it's exceptional. Um, he's got a fantastic uh, goal-scoring goal record out there. And based on the World Cup, he looks, he looks a talent. It could be cheap goals from Holland, though. I mean, it's been hit and miss, hasn't it? Babel has been a miss. This is Van, Van, you, Van Nistelrooy has been a hit. You, you just can't judge Holland you know, players from the Dutch league until they come over. Mm. Um, Van Nistelrooy scored hundreds of goals out there, but so did Matteo Kesman. Yeah. He came to Chelsea and did nothing. Yeah. Dirk Kaup scored hundreds of goals in Holland. Yeah, Huntelaar again. Klaus-Jan Huntelaar, yeah. yeah, hasn't quite sort of fulfilled his, his potential elsewhere. So it's always a risk when you sign someone from there, but at least with Suarez, we've seen him on the world stage at the World Cup scoring goals. So yeah. 
And, and I think it's clear that Torres does need another strike partner. Uh, it looks does. like Ryan Babbel's actually out of the yeah. club, isn't he? I mean, I, I, personally, I'll be gutted if they get Suarez because I do think he's a player. Um, so I'll be a bit disappointed if he goes there from from my point of view. Mm. But there's, there is, as you say, there is the chance that he won't do the business if they sign him. But mm. it'd be interesting to see what Liverpool do. Um, I, I, my inkling is that Daglish will stay long term. Yeah, because Gerard's come out and said Gerard's come out and said he wants him. I think that even though the results haven't gone his way yet, I think the influence he's had on the fans has been a boost. And I think the noise is coming out of Liverpool that maybe he'll get it long term. And it sounds like the owners have released some funds for him to spend as well. Exactly, and you don't do that unless you've got your back of the manager's long term judgment. So I think he he might stay, and I think he'll look to build a new side. The the interesting thing will be you know under under Hodgson. The likes of um, Torres and Reina were getting really itchy feet. You know, yeah. they want to play at the top level in yeah. t- Champions League football. Another year without Champions League That's football it, next it, year. You know, it doesn't look like they're going to get it this year, and they'll have to judge whether they think they can get it under Daglish long term. Yeah, but we'll see. So, coming on to our own clubs, obviously, there's a few rumours doing the rounds about your uh, left back, Leighton Baines, who's. Um, yeah, and I'd be gutted if that happens. I mean, Baines has been linked with Manchester United today. Um, Patrice Evra is obviously 29 now. He's had a really good Premiership career, but there's there's lots of talk of him going to Barca or Real Madrid. Yeah. And the reason Baines has been talked about, I think, for United is that um, obviously he's in great form, getting a lot of assists. He was on the England stage, almost made the World Cup, but perhaps blew it with a, a an out of context interview that he gave about homesickness. Um, but I think the, the talk on Merseyside is the reason United are suddenly interested is that Bayern Munich actually made a bid for Leighton Baines quite publicly. Um, and it seems that Everton actually accepted the bid, right. but Baines turned the move down. But that's alerted United because they think, well, he's got a price. Everton are willing to deal. Yeah, he's someone we could get in. It would so be a big loss for you, I think, wouldn't it? It'd be a massive loss. Leighton yeah. Baines has been just Mr. Consistency for Everton, but he's also, you know, as well as his defensive consistency, he is a massive um, bonus for us in terms of his attacking threat. So I would be, he's he's probably one of my favourite players for Everton. Yeah. Because he's just he's just solid. He's you know he's at least seven out of ten, if not more, every game, and he'd be a massive loss for us. And the other one that I don't think there's much truth to is, but the uh, Real Madrid defender Sergio Ramos, who Arsenal and United have apparently been linked with, asked for Arsenal. I mean, it is key that we we get a set, another centre back in. I know the Marlins now had another suffered another setback with his injury, and uh, if you've seen Arsenal much this season, you'll realise that Koscielny. Well, uh, Giroud and, and, uh, that, and Squalacci. That Ipswich game, you know, the ball over the top. The, I think, was it Giroud and Koscielny or Giroud and Squalacci that game? I think it was Squalacci, wasn't it? They looked awful. To that, you know, so, they, were, they looked so vulnerable to that ball over the top. Koscielny, a sense as a player in there somewhere, but, you know, I'm not sure how well he plays with Squalacci. But I think, you know, the interesting one for Arsenal, if I was Wenger, I'd be going for Gary Cale. Right, um, yeah. Bolton have just signed David Wheater from from, from uh, Middlesbrough today, yeah. as if you know, as if to say that's a sort of a ready-made replacement. And Cahill is very, very good, young English defender. He'd be a rock at the heart of that defence for Arsenal. I think he's got a little bit of international experience, and it would kind of fit. You know, by all accounts, uh, Wenger made a sixteen million pound bid for Phil Jagielka in the summer, so he's obviously earmarked to centre back. Um, Everton turned that down. But obviously Wenger's um, you know, not averse to maybe going for a solid English centre-back. And Cahill's got the advantage of being a bit younger, possibly a bit more expensive. But I think if I was Wenger, that's who I'd go for. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, interesting, I was reading that um, Julian Lescott, another Everton ex-defender, 
has now been linked with a move away from Eastlands as well. He's struggling to get in the side, as he Do now. you know, you'd be shocked the amount of Everton players who leave and don't go on to do anything. Um, it seems to happen a, a lot. But, um, yeah, things haven't worked out for Lescott. He's sort of sat on the bench picking up his 120 grand a week. <laughs> um, and when he's played for City, he's not really shown the, the, the form that he showed at Everton. But, that, you know, the form he showed at Everton was all about playing in a settled side, a settled back four. And he looked great, and City's just been so in and out that he's not really, uh, not really settled. So he'd be a good, a good signing for anyone. He was, there's no doubt in he's, he's a good player, um, but he needs to go somewhere and settle. Yeah, I mean the big news for Everton this week, of course, has been Stephen Pienaar uh, yes. leaving yeah. to go to Spurs. He was out of contract in the summer. Um, we would have lost him for free. So you got a cash bonus for Everton is that he's um, we we picked up three million for him seemingly. Um, Disappointed to see him go. Um, he's a very good player, always giving us everything, except for the last week of his uh, of his career with Everton. He uh, obviously he was still an Everton player on Sunday, going to the Merseyside derby, and had a conversation with David Moyes and told Moyes that his head wasn't right to play uh, in the game, and so Moyes left him out, which, which provoked uh, some interesting discussion <laughs> online. I think, didn't it? Yeah, there was a very mixed reaction on Twitter. Stephen Pienaar does have a Twitter account and. A number of Evertonians have wished him well for the future, but there's also been quite a lot of anger from Everton fans saying, who do you think you are? You know, you're paid a healthy salary by Everton Football Club and you've not turned up for work, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a bit of a Twitter campaign, actually, to get Stephen Pienaar to donate his uh, final week of wages to charity because he <laughs> certainly didn't do anything to earn them. No. You know, you know, as I say, essentially he didn't turn up to work. If, if you or me did that mark, we'd be facing some sort of disciplinary action. So. That's true. Um, That's true, Chris. It's very true. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see as well how much of a role he has at Spurs. They've got a habit of collecting midfielders and not really doing anything with them. So, yeah. But he's a good player, no doubt, and we'll miss him. Well, now that Beckham uh, seemingly isn't isn't going to be signing for Spurs, then uh, Stephen Pienaar's the obvious uh, replacement. Well, <laughs> you look at their midfield, and he's not going to he's not going to play Pienaar centrally. No. You know, they've got Modric, they've got Palacios, Hudson as well. You know, more likely he play out wide, but they've got Van der Vaart who sort of occupies those areas. He's got Gareth Bale who's got the left hand side sewn up. Um, Just apologies if you you hear a cat meowing <laughs> in the background, by the way. Uh, and Aaron Lennon tends to play on the right, so whether Pienaar will start straight away, we'll see. Um, but he's obviously you know decided Spurs is where he wants to play. He wants to play Champions League football and earn an extra however much a week. So we'll see how he does. I'll miss you know we'll miss him Everton, but. Um, the end of the day, if a player doesn't want to play for you anymore, then there's no point keeping him. Yeah. Any other transfers you think will will uh, come off in the in the time remaining? I mean, as we said before, Arsenal could could really do with a centre back. United, I think, have come out and said they're not going to. No, I think I think United have a rebuild in the summer. Um, so I don't think I think they'll be fairly quiet. I'd expect City will probably try and sign someone else, um, <laughs> just because they can. Yeah. Um, Everton will. I'm confident Everton will bring players in, but it'll probably be on loan. Um. There's rumours that Heitinger might leave Everton and go to Bayern Munich, but that seems to have gone a bit quiet now. Heitinger said on Twitter yesterday that he's an Evertonian and a proud Evertonian, so he might be staying put for now. Um, but to be honest, I think um, I can't think of any more sort of obvious, definite transfers. I think just be, pre- be prepared to be shocked again because that, that Darren Bent deal came out of absolutely nowhere. So um, I think you know, just keep your eyes on it, and there's, there's only uh, ten days to go or so. And be, yeah, should be prepared for anything. And in terms of the transfer window itself, obviously it's a fairly new institution in uh, in British football. What are your thoughts on the uh, 
the window itself. I know managers in the past have sort of criticised it. Uh, obviously, there's uh, some people that are saying Bent's only moved for the money. Mm. Um, obviously, in the case of Stephen Pienaar, he's had to move. Everton have, have had to get rid of him now um, to cash in on him, uh, essentially. Um, do you think it's a good thing for football? Um, I've got nothing against it, personally. Um, I think everyone it's the same for everyone. Everyone knows the rules. Everyone knows the system. And you should plan accordingly. So, you know, I don't think pe- people should be too angry about losing players because they've got the, they've got the same opportunity to buy players as everyone else. So, it adds a bit of interest and excitement in the middle of the season. And if clubs plan properly, there's no reason why it should hinder them. Um, yeah, I'm quite happy with the system as it is. Good. All right. Well, I think that probably sums up our uh, look at the transfer window mm-hmm. for now. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, lots to look forward to in terms of deals that may come off deals that will come off um i i do think that liverpool will actually um manage to seal the signing of, of suarez so that's going to be my my first prediction of prediction this week suarez, yeah. um, so this time next week i think liverpool will have a new striker which yeah. uh, should hopefully benefit torres and for them will appease the fans i think i, w- as well. I wouldn't say hopefully but <laughs> it will probably benefit torres yeah. <laughs> so coming up uh to our plays of the week. Uh, sorry, just before we get into the plays of the week, let's just, um, we've looked back at the week of sport. Let's just look ahead briefly to the next seven days as well. Obviously in uh, Melbourne at the moment, uh, now that the cricket's finished, the uh, tennis opens, just the Melbourne Open started. Um, do you think uh, Andy Murray can break his Grand Slam duck, Chris? Well, I mean, my tennis opinions are fairly invalid because I'm, I'm no expert on it. But I think you were it, ranting a little bit about tennis today, actually, on Twitter, for those of you that follow well, Chris. Well, it, it's, it's somewhat homoerotic as a sport. I think it's just <laughs> mostly men hitting something very, very hard and then toweling down every so often. It's a bit, a bit like an episode of Top Gun or something. But Football, footballers kissing each other after they've scored a goal. Fine. Is, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. fine. Mm. Um, Murray, he's obviously got the talent. Yeah. I've said obviously again. Um, he's definitely got the talent to win a major at some stage in his career. But whilst Federer and Nadal are around, it's going to be very hard yeah. for him. So, and Djokovic as a rising star as well. Yeah, so to, to win it, he's going to have to beat the best players. He's, he's cruising, he, you know, pretty much every competition now he cruises through the early stages. Yeah. And then he, you know, it's nip and tuck in the, in the final stages. Obviously, hope he wins one at some stage. Um, whether this one will be the one we need to be seen. Well, I'm going to put my second prediction into the mix at this oh, stage. Man, fire. Uh, a bold prediction, uh, a bit a bit of a, a gamble, but uh, I think Andrew Murray will win the Grand Slam in Australia this month. What um, are the odds on that, do you know? I'm not sure, actually, but, I, I mean, as you said, he's, he's number four in the world. Yeah. Um, he's expected to get to the semi-final. Obviously, yeah. he will have to beat Federer and Nadal to win, to pick up the title, but I think... This year is the year for him. I said, I think we said that last year, and it didn't quite happen. But do you think this tournament is the tournament? Or do you think it would just be at any other stage this year that he'll win a major? <sighs> how 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 prepared are you to nail this down? No, I'm going to go for this tournament. Whoa. I'm going to go for this tournament. I think the pressure at pressure at Wimbledon is probably a disadvantage. Well, gra- than grass isn't advantage. his main strength either, is it? No, no. I think I think this uh, this tournament will suit him. So Andrew Murray will win this Grand Slam. Wow. I tell you what, there were, I did see a nice uh, YouTube clip today um, from the tournament uh, involving Kim Clijsters. I don't know if you saw this. Ah, yes. Yeah, she was having a, a post, Todd Woodbridge. A, was yeah, it? Todd Woodford. Woodford she was having a post match uh, post match interview on, on court with Todd Woodford, who's a former tennis player himself, Australian, uh, and now now working for Australian TV. And um, 
just before the interview ended, uh, Kleist has pulled Wood, Wood, Woodford up on something. Apparently, um, he'd sent a text to uh, another female tennis player, I can't remember who it was, to be honest, um, basically saying, uh, is, Kim, is Kim Kleist as pregnant because she's looking a bit moody and I'm pretty sure her boobs are bigger. <laughs> and uh, obviously this this tennis player, a uh, good friend of Kim Kleist's, uh, showed Kim Kleist's the text and she pulled him up on, uh, on court and... He went a rather uh, nasty shade of red. <laughs> but yeah, it was a nice, nice little moment and worth, worth checking out on YouTube. So as we said, the, uh, the tennis is on at the moment uh, down under. Also going on in Australia, as well as the floods. Uh, the next one day yeah. uh, cricket uh, match. Obviously, we're 1-0 down in the series after the uh, stunning Ashes display. So England will be looking to um, get the, the series back on, on level terms. Uh, obviously, the news also this week in cricket that Pryor's being called up for the World Cup squad, which is a bit of a surprise. Yeah, I think it's the right call. He's in good. He's in good nick, good form, and he's obviously a. Um, oh, I've said obviously again. <laughs> he's. A, <laughs> I've, I've really got a problem with this. I'm gonna have to watch this. Um, he is uh, a good member of the squad. The players seem to like him. He's a good keeper, um, and he's got the capability to score runs. Um, in the past, he's opened the order. Um, I think he's going to open again, isn't he? With yeah, I'm not a massive fan of that. Um, I know a good friend of mine, Dave Britton, who's uh, a, a much bigger cricket fan than myself. He, he's not keen on that idea either. Um, he's not really an opening batsman in any form of the game. He, he's someone who comes in middle of the order and scores quick runs. So yeah. um, I'd rather not see him in that in that capacity. But I do think he's he's a, a good a good player to have in your team. I think the the key for his selection has been that there's been no other alternative wicketkeeper that's really proved themselves in the last couple of years in, in the limited overs. That's games, it, so. no one's quite come through and provided the uh, assurance and, and steadiness that he does, so I think it deserves his place. Yeah. So coming on to uh, the other sport that's going to be taking place this weekend is the divisional playoffs in the NFL. Now, we also need to reflect back on last weekend's playoff action Yeah, as well. I made four predictions. I, I predicted the, uh, the four winners of the four games last week, and I actually got three of them right. Unfortunately, the one I got wrong was my pick to win the whole uh, the whole shebang and go on to win the Super Bowl. So the New England Patriots were the team I picked out to win the actual Super Bowl, and they were defeated at home by the New York Jets in a cracking game, actually. Uh, but the other three games went as predicted for me. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers overcame the Baltimore Ravens at home. and A bit like the Merseyside Derby, that one. Um, Baltimore in the first half were superb defensively. Uh, Forced all sorts of mistakes out of uh, out of Pittsburgh, um, and went in twenty one seven at half time. But in the second half, as as good as uh, uh, Baltimore were in the first half, they were terrible in the second half, and Pittsburgh absolutely overran them again with some really good defensive plays. Yeah, um, and then my my side, <laughs> your, your Seattle, be, your be- beloved Seattle. Sadly, um, uh, their playoff dreams came to an end. Yeah, but as expected. I think so, and as I predicted last week, I think Chicago will now go on and win yeah, the Super Bowl. Yeah, you did pick them out. I mean, I, I expect them to win this game, um, and they did so. I mean, the scoreline in the end was uh, 35-24, although, to be honest... Uh, Chicago were well ahead and sort of allowed a couple of late touchdowns from uh, so Chicago were well ahead and allowed a couple of late, late touchdowns from Seattle to Seattle to close the scoreline. Easy down for a bit. you to say, Chris. Yeah, very. Um, so that one went as as you would expect. Uh, the other games, um, Falcons with their superb home record as predicted, succumbed to Green Bay Packers and it was a heavy defeat in the end, forty eight twenty one. And so the Packers will face Chicago in Chicago in the uh, NFC Divisional Playoff. And I'm going to stick with the Packers for that one. Okay. But you're going for the Bears. 
I am indeed, yeah. yeah. And then the other side of the draw sees the Jets play the uh, the Steelers. Yeah, and that's a huge game. That Steelers have got home advantage. Steelers, of course, won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. They've got great defence. They've got a good quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger. And they will be the favourites going into that. But the Jets are coming off a brilliant, brilliant performance to upset the uh, the New England Patriots. And I don't know if you heard about the uh, the run-up to this game, Mark. Um, you know my uh, knowledge of NFL is. <laughs> yeah. A story came out a few weeks ago uh, on online um, about the New York Jets coach uh, Rex Ryan apparently having a foot fetish, uh, and pre-match against the uh, pre-match against the uh, New England Patriots, the Patriots wide receiver Wes Welker uh, gave an interview in which he subtly inserted ten different references to foot or feet uh, or toes in the in the interview. Things about putting your best foot forward, uh, have people having great feet uh, in the pocket, all that sort of stuff. And it really uh, ramped up the uh, the needle in that, in that game. Reminds me of, uh, do you remember back in Euro 96, I think oh, it was, it was yeah. a Shearer and interview. It. England players getting song titles. Song titles. But, um, so yeah, Welker actually got in a bit of trouble from his own coach. He was left out of the first few plays. Um, but it really sort of fired up the Jets actually and the Jets played superbly to, to beat the Patriots on their own turf and so they've earned that matchup against yeah. against uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers but So now that the Patriots have gone out you're, you're picked for Super Bowl uh, XLV well, that's it. So it's going to be the Jets against the Steelers in the AFC the uh, Packers against the Bears in the NFC I think the Super Bowl will be contested by the Jets Mm-hmm and the Packers, so that, that's, I'm going for away wins in both of the divisional playoffs. That'll be quite surprising. Mm-hmm. And then I think and I hope, I hope that the Packers are going to win it. I actually feel this could be the Jets' year. Okay. My prediction is that they've, they've got momentum, they've got confidence, they've got a good, they're good on both sides of the ball. I think the Jets might just pull it off this year and win the Super Bowl now that the uh, Patriots are out. And I'm going to disagree with you completely and go for two home wins. Sticking with the Bears. And I'm going to stick with the Bears. So uh, we'll see whether those predictions come true. I'm actually going to be on holiday uh, for for the Super Bowl and Ah. you'll probably be a a new dad as well. I will be, yeah, almost certainly. So we'll... uh... Can we do the podcast by Skype or something? I don't know. We'll have to look into the technical uh, aspects of that. Cool. But uh, we're we're wrapping up now, really. Uh, It's time for bed, I'd say, really. Yeah, just the plays of the week to get out of the way. Yeah, so... uh, Three plays, as always, which really epitomise um, sport in all its brilliance yeah. in the last seven days. Lovely so we've moments. got two, uh, two from football and one from the NFL. Yeah. So to start with, we've got uh, a goal from Roberto Carlos. Lovely to have him back 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 in the uh, in the limelight, isn't it? He's he's over in the Brazilian league nowadays. And uh, well, it's just just classic Carlos scoring from an impossible position. Do you want to talk us through it, Mark? Yeah. So. Uh, the side who he plays for, I, I can't actually remember their name, but that, 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 that's irrelevant to this, uh, to this goal. Uh, they were on the attack. Um, a, a corner was given. Yeah, Carlos won the corner. He did, yeah. it, with, a, with a pretty outrageous shot to start yeah. with. Uh, and then, so Carlos walks, you know, walks across to take the corner. There's a, from the, the left-hand side. From the left-hand side. The striker's just sort of sitting on the post, just uh, obstructing the keeper a, a little bit. Mm. And Carlos, uh, in true... Um, Tournoi style, if you mm. remember back to the days where he scored that outrageous free kick, right, yeah. um, bent the ball in from from the corner, uh, outside of the foot. outside of the foot, and uh, the, the the striker sort of just steps over it, 
and it, it finds its way back into the back of the net. Yeah, he, he hits it hard and low, didn't he? And I think the keeper's obviously gone out to the edge of the six-yard box anticipating a, a, a pinged sort of high ball ready to claim across. So he's off his line. Carlos has spot the opportunity, hit it outside the foot, hard and low, and it's bent away from goal and back in to the far corner. Superb hit and fair play to him for trying it. A man with thighs as big as his, uh, you know, is, is always going to hit... Is what, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're going to say then. <laughs> He's always going to hit the ball hard. That's what yes. I was going to say. Oh, right, sorry. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Moving on, uh, the second play of the week comes from the NFL and it's uh, it's Corey Redding and it's um, it's quite a weird one to watch, Chris. You're going to have to talk me through this because I, at first glance, I, I didn't quite understand, understand what, what was going, yeah, going on. Yeah, so this is the... I was talking about the, uh, the Ravens game at the Steelers and the first half, the Ravens uh, defence was superb. Now, I'll just have to give you a bit of, uh, a, bit of a rule explanation. Um, obviously, you understand the concept of sacking. That is when the quarterback is tackled with the ball in his hand. Yeah. That's rule the sack. And, obviously. And obviously, the next... Oh, I've said again. <laughs> the uh, the next play starts from where the quarterback is sacked, basically. Um, so that means that you know the the offensive line have uh, failed to to stop the defense against the quarterback. Now, if the quarterback is in in the in the process of throwing the ball, yeah. i.e., he's brought his arm back and he starts to bring the ball forward and he's sacked and the ball comes loose, the ball's still alive. No, no, that would be an okay. incomplete pass yep. because he's brought his arm forward to release the ball. The yep. ball's been knocked out, but because he's brought his arm forward, it's an incomplete pass, and the play is taken again from the same place. And the next play is taken from the same place. However, if his arm hasn't come forward and the ball is not loose, that is a sack, and the ball is still live. Now, this is what happened. Uh, the defense got to Roethlisberger, the Steelers quarterback. He started to make a throw. He brought his arm back. And the ball was knocked out of his hand before he brought his arm forward. Now, for some reason, unbeknownst to anyone, the Steelers assumed that he brought his arm forward and just stopped. The ball was on the yeah. floor. Um, the Steelers were sort of lining up almost ready for the next play. But the referees hadn't blown the whistle to blow yeah. the play dead. The ball's lying on the floor. Corey Redding, a massive uh, defensive uh, player for the Ravens, sneaks up to the ball, picks it up and walks it in completely on tackle for a touchdown while the Steelers are still wondering what the hell is going on. Uh, apologies for the confusion here. I'm afraid the uh, the cat's made a bit of <laughs> the a... The cat is sitting on me and <laughs> has unleashed an unholy smell, um, which <laughs> almost took the uh, the wind out of my sails there. I do apologise. The cat's actually named Alonso as well, which uh, yeah. for an Everton fan... Like, yeah, not, not pleasant not, all not around. Pleasant. But yeah, so anyway, Corey Redding has taken advantage of the fact the Steelers are completely switched off and just walked the ball in. It's definitely worth seeing. And uh, all, as always, all the players of the week will be appearing on the blog. Absolutely, so yeah. that's uh, Caleb Dory co.uk for me and, and cjbuttersblog.blogspot.com for me uh, but we've still got one more to go yep. this one comes from the FA Cup third round replay yeah Arsenal versus Leeds Arsenal as we've already discussed uh, in the first half took a, a two goal lead um, through Sami Nasri for the first and then uh, um, Bakary Sanya uh, scored goal. an absolutely cracking goal straight through the keeper a little mm. bit but hit with such power to make it 2-0 and Arsenal were coasting mm. uh, just, a, just a few minutes before half time and then Leeds had a rare attack and uh, well tell, talk us through what happened next Chris well it was a rare attack but it looked like it had broken down Arsenal headed the ball clear it came to Johnny Housen about 30 yards out and he obviously got a shout from Bradley Johnson just to his left just to lay the ball off to him and he did that just, just touched the ball to Not one side square, yeah. and Johnson just 
sort of strode onto it without breaking a stride and just put his foot through the ball and it has flown like an absolute missile right into the top corner um, of uh, Chesney's net. Yeah. And as I said before, the place went absolutely nuts. Alan Rowe just erupted. It was a cracking goal, worthy of any any game. Just a shame that he was on the losing team in the end. But yeah, really worth seeing. Classic long-range strike. Yeah, yeah. Good. Well, I think that brings us uh, to, a, to a close again. But I've got one little story that I, I don't know if you've seen the uh, in the news uh, about Jermaine Pennant, Chris. Oh, no. oh yeah. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> uh, just which made me giggle today when I read this. So uh, apparently J- uh, Jermaine Pennant, who obviously spent time in Spain. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zaragoza, yeah. Zaragoza. And uh, he left a an £80,000 sports car in a train station car park for six months. <laughs> Um, and apparently didn't realise that he owned the vehicle. So as we've been talking before about players' wages and transfer mm. fees uh, and players maybe losing touch with reality, there's a, a fine example of... Just, uh, just forgetting that you own a Porsche. I mean... I could forget that I own my Skoda, but I think a Porsche would... Uh... <laughs> yeah, sometimes you want to forget that you own your Skoda, <laughs> but to forget that you own a Porsche, that, that's an, it's, an, it's a different world footballers live in, isn't it? It is, it but, is. you know... I'm sure they're worth every penny. Yeah, and just a, one final shout out. Uh, I just want to get your opinion on this as uh, FC Gateway manager. There's a big game coming up this weekend. FC Gateway face uh, Mosaic yeah. in uh, a cup match. Yeah, it's the big one. Uh, the players are very hungry for it. We, we haven't had a game since November due to weather, so it's our first game back uh, since uh, well before Christmas. And hopefully, it'll be a really good occasion. Training was buzzing tonight, and uh, hopefully, Mark, you'll be up front and uh, bagging us a few goals. Well, I do hope so. So, if you want to keep up to date with the scores uh, from the FC Gateway versus Mosaic match, uh, I suggest you follow FC Gateway on Twitter. Chris, I, I wonder yep. whether you might be tweeting live from the touchline. Possibly, we'll see how cold my hands are. <laughs> <laughs> Right, folks, well, that's all for another edition. Hope you've enjoyed yourself, and uh, we'll be back soon for more Sporting Reflections. Yeah, take care and see you soon. Good night.